You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. So this morning, we are wrapping up this series called um, Kingdom Culture that we've been in for now seven weeks as we have been pressing in to, to understand King Jesus' priorities, agenda, and values. Specifically, the last three weeks, we've been focusing on a kingdom value that around here we pose in the form of a question. The question is, who's next? I believe we have a responsibility as a, as a follower of King Jesus to ask that question. God, who's next? Who's coming behind me? Who's the next one that you would desire to encounter their life? Like we take our eyes off ourselves and we, we look to serve those around us. Who, who's it that you want me to serve, Lord Jesus? Who, who's the next generation coming behind me that you desire for me to pour into? That is the posture of a follower of Jesus, especially in this season of kingdom expansion on the earth. We see this, this value of who's next exemplified in the life of Jesus time and time again. We see it as he tells the children to come to him. He says, let the little ones come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We see it exemplified in Jesus as he uses the unqualified and the unassuming. We see it exemplified in King Jesus as he prioritizes the lost over the found. You know, the priority right now on the earth is not the righteous, but the unrighteous. We need, we need our, to allow our hearts to burn for the, for the things that God's heart burns for. And right now, his heart is seeking and saving the lost. And so we need to main, maintain that posture of asking that question, who's next? And so to wrap up this series, Kingdom Culture, I'm so stoked, so excited to introduce Nicole Barnes, our children's pastor, to you to come and bring the word. Nicole has been such a pivotal part of what God has been doing here in Ames over the last three and a half years after I became lead pastor. We didn't have much money in our church. We didn't have, it was a, a, a difficult road ahead that we could see, but there was so much burning in my heart for what God wanted to do in this region, in this city. And so um, an individual that came to my mind was Miss Nicole Barnes. And at the time she was out in California studying at a school of ministry. And I knew it was a leap because we had nothing we could offer her other than some opportunities and a dream in our heart. And we, we reached out to her at first, what her heart told her was no. But as she prayed about it, uh, she ended up coming and being a part of the team. So from the beginning, she was really the first addition to the team, and she has been such an amazing part of what God has done in this church, amen? I know so many of you love and adore uh, Miss Nicole. But just from um, the perspective of a parent, I wanna tell you, I grew, up in, I grew up in the church, not this church, but I grew up in the church, so meaning I grew up in children's church, and I couldn't be more excited about the experience and the environment that my kids get to be a part of in this church body. It is rare, it is unique, it is rich. And she has created an environment and a culture in our Kids Point ministry that really, like really strongly, genuinely believes that what we're doing is not just childcare. It's, children, it's ministry to children in a way that's creating an environment for, ki for kids themselves to encounter Jesus. And every week my kids are coming out of that environment and talking to me about the experiences they're having alongside their peers. It's so rich, it's so wonderful, and I'm, I'm so excited that, that uh, she's been a part of our team over the last three and a half years. So this is what we've been doing over the last few weeks. I've been asking us to get a little rowdy. Would you get up on your feet? Would you give a huge shout, give a huge applause for Nicole Barnes as she comes? Yeah. It is such an honor and privilege to be a part of this church family and under such incredible leadership. And I am so excited that I get 
this privilege today. I'm humbled that I get to speak to you. Um, And as Pastor Tony so lovingly reassured me this week that I didn't need to worry because it was just the most important performance of my life. So, because that's what it's all about, right? But no, all jokes aside, I genuinely, genuinely wanna thank you for allowing me this opportunity to share the vision on my heart. So like Pastor Drew said, I am Nicole Barnes, and I get the privilege of leading our children's ministry here at LifePoint. And I just wanted to start off by saying the future is bright. And I know this with certainty because just below your feet, there is an army of world changers that is being trained up and discipled as we speak. And it's my, my challenge for us today that we would be able to personally embrace this paradigm of an upside down kingdom where instead of being under our feet, we would raise up the next generation so that our ceiling could be their floor. So because of my role as a children's director, I'm sure there are some of you in this room who might be assuming that this message probably won't apply to you. But I wanna challenge you that the commission I plan to give excludes no one. Whether you're in this room and you're a teen or you are an elder, whether you have children of your own or not, whether you have children who are still in your home and young or grown up with families of their own, whether you are currently serving the Lord, whether your kids are, or whether you are lost in searching, this message today is for you. And the reason why this message burns on my heart is because I love to see leaders of all ages activated in kingdom ministry for multiplication. So before we dive in, let's just pray. Lord, I ask you today that you would set into motion a kingdom move that would continue to reap fruit for many generations to come. We dedicate this morning to you, Holy Spirit, and we say that your will be done here as it is in heaven. Amen. So for those of you who like to take notes, the title of today's message is Feed My Lambs. This title comes from the passage in John 21, starting at verse 15, where the resurrected Jesus is restoring Peter after denying him three times. So you can follow along with me on the screen as it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him for a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but Jesus did not say feed my sheep three times. He specifically included his lambs. Now, Jesus was a man who chose his words carefully, and by doing so, he intentionally revealed the value that he places on every member of his flock, regardless of their age. So as we seek to unpack this beautiful and symbolic commission from Jesus, we are going to be highlighting three key concepts that I believe are vital for being kingdom leaders who feed God's lambs. These three are legacy, testimony, and prophecy. So we're gonna begin with this idea of legacy. 
Essentially, you can boil it down to these three words, live to leave. And what I mean by that is that at all times, we should be looking beyond for who's next. Like Drew mentioned, here at LifePoint, that's one of our key values. And as kingdom leaders and citizens of heaven, we must always be working ourselves out of a job here on earth. You see, an insecure leader is more concerned about securing their own title and getting their own glory. As a result, it creates a system where others become dependent upon them to ensure that they're always needed and praised. These kind of leaders measure success by remaining on top. The problem is they only achieve this by putting a ceiling on those around them so that they can't grow. Well, a kingdom leader is not concerned about their own glory, but instead seeks to empower those around them so that they themselves will no longer be needed one day. This kind of leader measures success by the day when those who were once under them have now surpassed them. We see this type of leadership modeled for us again and again, both in the Old and New Testament. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, it'll be on the screen, God said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. He wants to be known by this name because this name reveals his nature as a multi-generational God. You see, God's plan is so much bigger than our one life alone. So how do we be these types of leaders that live to lead? We start by demonstrating with our own life. A good litmus test for this is honestly ask yourself, do we want the next generation to do as we do or just to do as we say? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul's telling these new believers to be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Church, is our lifestyle worth imitating? If we want the next generation to be people of prayer, of intimacy, to see the sick healed and the dead raised, to prophesy and to boldly share their faith, then we must lead by our own example. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. And it says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in the, your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So if you wouldn't allow your own child to do watch, read, or listen to something, then why would you allow it into your own life? I once had an encounter with the Lord a few years ago when I first arrived here at LifePoint. The Lord showed me a vision of Lucy Meyer, Pastor Drew and Tanya's eldest daughter. And if you know Lucy, you know she has the purest, most tender heart for the Lord. And as I was looking at her in this vision, the Lord spoke to me in his still small voice, and he said, by the same measure which you deem something proper or suitable for Lucy, I want you to use for your own life as well. Because he sees our heart the exact same way. See, our poor habits aren't excusable just because we're adults and we no longer have someone to tell us to turn off the TV or put down our phone. But let me be clear. This is not to condemn anyone of your past, 
but to challenge you with how you live your future. No matter how many times the enemy tries to lie to you, I assure you that you simply cannot mess it up too much that God cannot restore it. So don't allow yourself to look backward with shame or guilt, but instead look ahead with faith. Next, we need to take others along. You see, when Moses was leading the children of Israel, he had already started preparing Joshua to take his place long before his own departure from earth. I'm sure it wasn't convenient for Moses to take Joshua along everywhere he went. I bet some tasks probably took twice as long because he had to explain himself, give Joshua opportunities to try and fail. In Exodus 33, we learn about how Moses used to set up the tent outside the Israelite camp. It was known as the tent of meeting. And he would go there to meet with God and speak with him. So naturally, he would bring his assistant Joshua along while everyone else would stand at their tent doors and watch. And as Moses entered into the tent of meeting, a cloud of pillar would descend on the tent and all would rise and worship. Then in verse 11, we read about a simple but defining moment of Moses' leadership. It says, you can have it on the screen, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. While an insecure leader might be embarrassed by the fact that his assistant made him look bad and remained in the presence of God after he chose to leave, a kingdom leader would instead see this as an affirmation of his leadership. I just imagine this huge smile on Moses' face as he, as he left, knowing that the presence of God would be stewarded and that the work of God would continue long after he left. So a pastor um, of mine that I, that I was under in middle school, when I was under in ministry school, he once shared with me that for a season of his life, the Lord had him doing deliverance ministry in his own home. And his kids were rather young at the time. He said he often worried about what people thought about people in his home and around his children who were wanting to be free of demonic oppression, witchcraft, and the occult. But he said his kids saw people delivered and physically and spiritually set free in ways that many mature believers have yet to see. And he said, now looking back years later, he is so thankful that he did not shield them from that ministry because he said his kids grew up with a rock-solid faith in the power of God to restore. So take someone along with you. Take someone along when you pray for a friend or a family member for healing or step out to minister to a neighbor or someone at the grocery store. Give them opportunities to lead as well and create a safe environment for them to grow. So as I pondered this kingdom concept of living to leave, the Lord immediately reminded me of this testimony I heard as a teenager. So one day while I was in high school, I came across this book in my dad's home office, and it was titled 90 Minutes in Heaven, so I was intrigued. It was written by a minister named Don Piper. And after I finished this book full of an incredible testimony, I got this privilege of going to the governor's prayer breakfast with a group of students. And much to my surprise and my delight, the speaker was none other than Don Piper himself. You see, Don was killed in a horrific car crash 20 years before I met him. 
And yes, I did say that correctly. After being pronounced dead on the scene with his body literally dispersed throughout the car with no hope of survival, another pastor driving by felt called to pray for him. Upon arriving, he found out that he was going to be praying over a dead body, but he chose to do so for over 90 minutes. And after praying for this man for 90 minutes, he simply began to sing a hymn of praise and of worship. And then Don began to sing the hymn along with him. Now, I wish I had time to share the entire story, but the part of his testimony that I wanted to share was something Don said about his experience in heaven. Don said, I only arrived at the gates of heaven, but the people who greeted me were the ones who had invested into my spiritual life and who had helped me get to heaven through their witness here on earth. So for those faithful children volunteers sitting in this room who think you merely signed up to pray over babies or worship with toddlers or attempt to teach a lesson to a room full of squirmy preschoolers, I want you to know that in heaven, you signed yourself up to be on the welcome committee of each and every one of those souls the day that they enter into heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be able to welcome many, many more after me into paradise. The word tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, that we are not to lay up for ourselves treasures on heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. See, not just the greatest, but the only treasures that we can take with us are souls. So the next kingdom principle that we're going to look at is this idea of testimony. So for my diligent note takers, you can simplify it down to this, remember and release. In the Old Testament, we see the children of Israel stewarding their testimonies through a practice of setting up what they called stones of remembrance in places where God had performed miracles for them. We read in Joshua chapter 4, verse 21, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. And again, we're instructed in Psalm 78 to steward and remember our testimonies. It reads, these things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of God and his might and his wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So according to this passage, we should be living mindful of those yet unborn three generations ahead of us. We can't stop by simply remembering our testimonies, though. We need to release them over the next generation. And we know from Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This means that by declaring the testimony of what God does once, releases the supernatural grace for God to do it again. 
And as I'm sure many of you know, the word testimony in its simplest form actually breaks down to mean, do it again. And it's not just a neat phrase, this is a spiritual principle. At a seminar for healing the sick that I attended a few years ago, one of my favorite evangelists, he shared with us that at the beginning of every night of ministry, he shares a testimony of someone who was healed in a very specific part of their body. And then he transitions into his sermon. And after his message, he always asks the crowd and he says, if there was someone in this room that was healed in the same part of their body sovereignly by the Lord while he was speaking in the same part of their body as the testimony he shared, he asks them to stand up and start waving their hands. And he says, without fail, the room is always full of people who have sovereignly been healed without having anyone prayed for them or laid hands on them. But they simply came desperate for healing and grabbed a hold of the grace that was released through that testimony. The same way that the, the woman with the issue of blood supernaturally received her physical healing by pushing through the crowd so that she might grab the hem of Jesus' garment. We can receive our own breakthrough when we grab a hold of the supernatural grace that is released through a testimony of Jesus. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 tells us that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are, to they, how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So if you have surrendered your life to the Lord, you have a testimony from death to life. So write it down. Say it out loud and do whatever you must to release them because there is no small testimony. One day as I was soaking and just spending time in the presence of the Lord, the Lord showed me a vision. He gave me a key and on the key I saw inscribed the word testimony of Jesus. And then I began to walk down this hall and I started unlocking these people's chains there were people bound and shackled all across the way. And as I unlocked their chains, I made a copy of that key and gave it to them. And then as I watched, I saw them begin to do the same with their own key because they had now been equipped with a key of their own. And I saw them start to make copies as well. Then I heard the gentle whisper of the Lord to me. He said, you can make as many copies as you want. It was such a freeing moment that there are so many people who are waiting to be unlocked from their chains because of a key that you carry that maybe or maybe not you realize the value of. But as I went to journal my encounter, funnily enough, the story didn't come out as I had just told you. Instead, it literally flowed out like a poem, which is now very precious to me. It said, when Jesus saved me, he gave me a key. He said it was called my testimony. He told me to use it to set others free by sharing with them what Christ did for me. So if you aren't releasing your testimonies of what Jesus has done in your life, then their prophetic influence will end with you. 
So the practice of remembering and releasing our testimonies of Jesus leads us directly into our third and final key concept. We're gonna be highlighting the gift of prophecy, specifically as it pertains to raising up the next generation in the Lord. And like on the screen, you can see it simplifies down to see gold and speak life. But I know that the word prophecy alone can cause some to immediately check out. So I wanna urge you to be wary of throwing out the baby with the bathwater when it comes to the gifts of God that might have been misused or abused in the past. Paul tells us plainly in 1 Corinthians 14, verse one through three, that we are to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that we may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So the purpose of new covenant prophecy is to call out the gold and to reveal one's God-given potential, made possible only through the supernatural grace released through the Holy Spirit. The problem that we often run into in the church and why some are afraid of this gift is that people are still prophesying from the old covenant. So it's so important that we become aware of which covenant we are prophesying from. Because the entire purpose of the old covenant was to reveal our failures and our insufficiency to call out the dirt so that we would see our need for a savior. But we get the privilege of prophesying from the new because the savior Jesus Christ has been revealed. That is good news. And he empowers us to be who he originally created us to be through his Holy Spirit. So it doesn't take a prophetic anointing to call out the dirt in someone's life, but it does take one to call out the gold yet unrefined and bring it forth. So the, the Lord doesn't show me things from people's past like this very often, but one day when I was in a service, I was worshiping alongside this young girl when the Lord gave me a word of knowledge about some horrors that she had endured and abuses in her past from a family member. But because I know that I'm called to prophesy from the new covenant, I began to ask the Lord what he is speaking over her future. And as I began to minister to her, I told her how God sees her. And I spoke of her purity and her wholeness and that the Lord promised to redeem and restore everything that someone tried to steal from her. She became undone before me and began to confirm all the things that had been done to her that the Lord revealed to me moments earlier. But the reason why I share this story is because never once did I speak about her past, nor would I ever have. People don't need reminders of the horrors they've endured. What they need to hear are the promises of God over their life and who he says that they are. There was a famous study done in 1968 on other imposed self-fulfilling prophecies it's known as the Pygmalion effect. Rosenthal and Jacobson conducted an experiment to see whether student achievement could be affected by a teacher's expectations. They found that the, te the, the students who were intentionally made to think that they were not expected to excel performed significantly worse as a result. 
You see, the enemy is not afraid to speak lies over us or to speak lies over our children concerning their potential. And there are severe consequences to allowing a lie to become part of your identity. And as kingdom leaders, we cannot allow the most vulnerable ones in our flock, our children, to have thoughts in their head about themselves that God doesn't have in his. We are called to raise up the next generation. So we must be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying so we can speak it over them so that they might be rooted in their kingdom identity. Now, not only do we need to prophesy over them, but we need to equip them to hear the voice of God for themselves. They need to be aware that they don't receive a junior Holy Spirit and that prayer is as much listening as it is speaking. So downstairs every Sunday morning, we take time with the kids to listen and wait on the Lord for prophetic words that will build up, cheer up, and draw their fellow classmates near to God. There have been times when I've literally been brought to tears as I hear a child sharing a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or just the sweet thoughts of God over one another. We also take time to do what we call encounter time. And all the kids will find their own spot around the room and we dim the lights and put worship music on. And we simply ask the Lord's questions and we just wait for his response. Kids have described to me in detail visions of heaven of angels in the room, of promises that God was making to them, even about ways that the Lord was gently convicting them. One child told me that the Lord spoke to him during encounter time and told him that he had started to make video games an idol in his life. So he chose to surrender that to God on his own decision. I know I never discussed an idol to him that morning. So it was, it was purely his, his conversation with the Lord that led him to make that sacrifice. You see, children already have childlike faith. We simply need to create space for them to listen to the Lord and affirm that they can. So if your kid tells you that they saw Jesus in the room or an angel visited them in their dream, take them seriously and allow them to teach you a lesson on how to receive the kingdom of heaven like a child. Now before I move on, I feel, I feel like I should, should break off this lie from the enemy that says I somehow missed my opportunity or that it's too late for me and my kids. Church, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And like I said earlier, and I will say it again, it is never too late. You and your family are not too far gone. And if you're sitting in this room today or listening online, you have not missed anything. But in fact, quite the contrary is true. God has everything in store for you. So I'm gonna invite um, the worship team back up on stage as we get ready to respond to this mission. So if you're sitting here or listening today and you're thinking to yourself, I've never even made Jesus the Lord of my life or received the Holy Spirit. So how am I supposed to raise up the next generation of leaders to pour out myself to them? And the truth is, apart from God, we can't. You can't give away to a child what you never received like a child. When I was just six years old, someone told me that I could receive Jesus, that I could become a child of God simply by confessing with my mouth 
that God raised him from the dead and believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And so by faith, I did. When I was a child, someone told me that I could hear the voice of God. So I started to listen and learn to recognize his own voice in my life. When I was a child, someone told me that I could lay hands on the sick and that they would be made well. And so I did, and I have seen people restored before my very eyes. When I was just a child, someone told me that I received the same Holy Spirit that the adults did. And so I asked and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before I was even in middle school. So when I enter into heaven one day, I know that there will be an army of people who will get to welcome me home because they invested their life into discipling mine. Now I know many of you in this room or listening online didn't get that privilege as a child. Or even maybe some of you didn't get to give that privilege to your own children when they were young. Maybe even you sit here today and you would say that you've never been told that you were made for more or worth investing in. But I'm here to tell you that you are. So I urge you don't leave this place without receiving everything that the Lord has in store for you. Because the same God who saved, delivered, and set me free as a child is releasing that same grace upon you this morning. And he wants to be the Lord and Savior of your life. He wants to fill you up to overflowing so that you can freely give what you freely receive here today. So I'm gonna ask for everyone to close their eyes in this place. And I just wanna invite anyone who wants to be restored to a right relationship with God today, to simply raise your hand. Promise I'm not gonna call you out or embarrass you. I just wanna know who I'm praying for. And for those of you watching online and wanna get your life right with Jesus, there's a number that's gonna appear at the bottom of the screen. You can text that number if you're giving your life to Jesus because we wanna partner with you. So, so whether or not you raise your hand, you can pray this along with me in your hearts. Jesus, today, I choose to freely receive your forgiveness for my sins, made possible only through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection. I choose to surrender my life to you so that I can become a citizen of heaven and a child of God. Amen. Praise God. So you can open your eyes and get ready. I'm gonna give another response. So for those in this room who wanna to choose to be kingdom-minded leaders, to be spiritual mothers and fathers, who wanna demonstrate their love for God by feeding his lambs, starting in your own homes and extending to your neighborhoods, schools, church community, and all throughout their city, to your children, young and old, to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren yet unborn, and to the children that maybe you didn't get to birth from your own womb, but that you've brought under your wing. And if you gave your life to Jesus just moments ago, I assure you that that does not disqualify you from this second response. I know this because I've been on the streets of Minneapolis and I've prayed for people who in that moment received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then just moments after, we asked them 
to lay hands on their friends who was sick and in need of healing. And with the authority that they had been given from heaven as a new creation, we saw as their friend was fully healed before our eyes. Because the moment you receive the Lord today, you become brand new. And there is nothing that God cannot do with a life that is fully surrendered to him. So church, if you are ready to take seriously this commission that Jesus gave us to feed his lambs, I want you to stand to your feet in this morning if you're able. And you can pray this in your heart as I pray out loud. Lord, today with the empowering grace given to us by your Holy Spirit, we commit to start living to leave by raising up leaders to come after us. We commit to remember and release the testimonies of Jesus that we carry so that you can do it again in the lives of others. And Lord, we ask that you would show us the gold in even the most unrefined places so that we can speak over the next generation their true potential and God-given identity. Amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.